everybody. Time for another episode of Alive, brought to you by the Asher Longevity Institute, committed to the science-based and easy-to-implement lifestyle changes you need in order to live a much longer and much healthier life. This show is made possible through the generous support of People Unlimited, a premier longevity company in Phoenix, Arizona. Learn more about People Unlimited and their partner longevity experts in the Coalition for Radical Life Extension at rlecoalition.com. That's rlecoalition.com. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Longevity Institute studio in Washington, D.C., together with the host of Alive, John Asher, CEO and co-founder of the Asher Longevity Institute. John's guest is Dr. Abid Hussein, a fellow of the American College of Cardiologists and certified by the American Board of Anti-Aging Regenerative Medicine. Dr. Hussein is a physician at the Boone Heart Institute in Greenwood Village, Colorado, along with Dr. Jeffrey Boone, the Chief Medical Officer of the Asher Longevity Institute. The title of the show is Optimum Hormone Balance for Women. Over to you, John. Well, Dr. Hussein, so glad to have you back on the show. Our last one about, uh, last podcast about the male horns, one of the most popular ever. Wow, that's great to hear. And thanks for having me back. So one of the things I love about you being on the podcast is your background, you know, board certified in cardiology, functional medicine, internal medicine, and then a graduate of the, of the uh, two-year A4M certification process for anti-aging, mm -hmm. it's like if you could invent the perfect longevity practitioner, it would be you. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That's high praise coming from you, John. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so in our last webinar, um, most of us know, have heard of, even all of us men and women, have heard about uh, women and, and their um, hormone challenges and almost everybody kind of knows that after menopause women really need to take a hard a hard look at it mm -hmm. and it, it's actually um, much probably more in the press as opposed to male hormones so last show about the male hormones which are important uh, how to keep them in balance and how important mm -hmm. they are was i think a revelation to a lot of our listeners and so now let's take the uh, the one that's most popular and that is women's hormones so um, yeah. When, when do they start to become um, an issue? What age should women start really thinking about this? Well, it really, it's not that there's a specific age, but more if there are symptoms, because hormone uh, dysregulation or hormone imbalance can occur uh, in young women in the form of uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome or just um, you know really significant premenstrual symptoms. And those can be uh, like a, a pre significant premenstrual symptoms can be in indications of low progesterone, and, and those can be treated with progesterone that's bioidentical at certain just at certain times of their cycle. Um, and then women that have uh, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, they can be treated also to help uh, reduce. They have they tend to have a higher testosterone burden, and those can they can be treated as well to optimize their hormones. So they don't have to suffer through that most of their lives, but. When we, when we look at the majority of the population, most of the time, it's as, as women get to their pre-menopausal years. And those are, the, those are the years where they start to notice a little bit of decline in their, maybe their skin texture, their, their energy levels, 
Maybe they might have some, you know, some vaginal dryness, things like that. But typically, the most common symptom as they get closer to the menopausal years is going to be hot flashes. It's going to be night sweats, you know, what are called vasomotor symptoms. And uh, the, the main culprit for those is the, is the loss of progesterone. And that's the first thing that starts to dwindle when a woman uh, gets close to the menopausal years. And that actually starts happening in the 30s. It can start to decline slowly and steadily. And, and then it doesn't become symptomatic until they reach their 40s and 50s. So if, if you're noticing those symptoms earlier on, then you may be having Pre, premature menopausal or premenopausal symptoms. And then, the, and then as well, there's irregularity of the menstrual cycle. And uh, the, the, the clinical de- definition of, uh, of menopause is if they have not had a period for 12 months. And at that point, they technically fall under the diagnosis of being menopausal. And, and when that, when that as it leads to that, that, that point, patients usually have irregular cycles, and they've had other symptoms before. If they're lucky, they haven't had many of the, the premenopausal symptoms, but they still have a deficiency of estrogen and testosterone at that point. So, you know, when we look at the, the hormone makeup of a woman, it's a lot more complicated than men. Uh, men, it's predominantly testosterone, which gets converted to estradiol. And that is an important hormone for men as well, but it's in a very small, um, it's a very small dose, very, very small level. For women, they need, they have low levels of testosterone, but it is equally important for them as they need testosterone to maintain lean body mass, to maintain libido, to maintain uh, appropriate insulin metabolism and maintain energy levels. As well, they, you know, and they, they require estradiol as well. And that dwindles once they hit, once they finally hit menopause and returning the estradiol levels are vital for women for the same reasons that they're vital for men in that it it improves brain health. There there are studies that show that estradiol um, is, is very important in cholesterol management. So that's one of the one of the thoughts and one of the theories as to why women have a, uh, a protective cardiovascular protective effect before they reach their menopausal years. Then once they reach menopause and their hormones have, have plummeted, they start to um, the, the graphs show that they start to have the same cardiovascular risk as men and even catch up to men within about 10, 10 years. So the loss of estrogen is often implicated in that in that increase in risk. Um, and then we know progesterone helps vascular health. It uh, helps nitric oxide and improves vascular health. And that's why it is so helpful in those vasomotor symptoms. So it's almost um, <clears throat> too complicated to understand. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer, so, you know, forgive me for being an engineer, but. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No, no, no for that. <clears throat> Actually, I'm a physicist by, um, mm-hmm you know, by education and an engineer by training, but I couldn't do real work. I actually hated real work. <laughs> so, lots of friends here in DC will say, you know, if you can't do real work, get into sales. <laughs> so I've essentially been a sales guy forever, but I still like engineering. <clears throat> Not so much the details of it, but to kind of overall, uh, understand overall equations, you know, how mm-hmm. things fit together. So um, you just rattled off at least six, um, important hormones for women 
Mm-hmm. And is there is there an, an equation or is there a way to think about how they all relate to each other? There's not really an equation, but we look at it in uh, in phases in their lives. Um, you know, for, for you know, it's it's a balance of of the, f- the four main sex hormones, um, or I should say three: it's testosterone, estradiol, and progesterone. And if we can figure out what you know how to balance those three in women at the right time, then uh, most of their symptoms and their vascular, their cardiovascular, vascular, brain, and uh, overall metabolic health uh, can really be optimized. Okay, well, that, that's a start, right? Mm-hmm. To try to simplify it. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, actually, one of the, um, you know, I forget which president it was that said, um, um, if you want me to talk for an hour, I'm ready now. Mm-hmm. But if you want me to talk for five minutes, I, I need a week to get ready. <laughs> In other words, simplifying things. Yeah. You know, you know, in, my, in my training company, our why is making the complex simple. Mm-hmm. As I know you know, making the complex simple is not simple. Right? <laughs> it's actually very yeah. difficult. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good start. So mm-hmm. it's these three sex hormones that are so important for women. Yeah. And that's the testosterone, the estradiol, and progesterone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how are they related? The uh, testosterone, well, the, the testosterone works for um, muscle mass, metabolic health, and, uh, and it improves the same things that it improves in men, essentially. So it's, it's a very similar um, benefit profile. So if you remember what we talked about during the last podcast, those apply to women also. It will help with libido. It'll help with lean body mass. It'll help uh, insulin sensitivity. It'll help, uh, you know, anytime we increase lean body mass, it helps that. It helps with athletic performance. It helps with energy. The, um, the and it doesn't really, you know, there's a, some of that testosterone can get converted to estradiol. In, in men, that happens in particular, but in women, they make their own estradiol through their ovaries. Um, when, when the ovaries shut down during menopause, then they don't have that and they have to make it from, from the testosterone. Unfortunately, their testosterone is low also. And so they don't have enough to, to replace the loss of the estradiol. So when we, you know, the, the, the reason why women's hormones are so complex is because you know, there's not really a, a direct opposition of one hormone to another. Each one works in a different way to, to modify their, uh, their overall health as well as um, influence each other. So if we were going to say that there's opposing hormones uh, in any way, shape, or form, then you could say that estradiol and progesterone are the opposing hormones because if one is elevated, if we, if for instance, when we give, you know, um, estra- estradiol as a replacement therapy, if um, they're not getting enough progesterone, then they'll start getting symptoms. Um, and so we would have to imp- increase the, uh, the, maintain the balance of the two. And that's usually when the balance of the two goes out of whack when people are younger, when patients are younger, and they start to get those excessive symptoms that may happen with PMS or things like that. John, excuse me. It's time to, for a quick commercial break. 
The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and much healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire. Now back to John and Dr. Hussein. Let me summarize what I think I, I, I yeah. understand so far. Mm -hmm. So for men, um, testosterone, of course, is important for a number of reasons. And it also will convert to estradiol for men. Mm -hmm. But for women, um, until the menopause, they can create their own estradiol as well as their own testosterone. And they don't need a lot of testosterone. But then after menopause, women no longer are making the estradiol. Mm -hmm. And now it becomes an opposing hormone with progesterone. Is that, did I get that right? Well, well it, it's, it's not that it, 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 uh, it becomes uh, an issue after menopause, but it's when in menopause, both estradiol and progesterone are decreasing. And there's always an opposition of estradiol and progesterone throughout their lives. Oh, I got but, it. But when they hit menopause, because things are in such flux, it becomes even more of a challenge to understand and to treat what's going on. So, I mean, I think this really exemplifies the difficulty in, in treating women's hormones in the, in the most effective way, because it is a little complex to be able to know what to modulate, what to increase and decrease, depending on what they're, what, how they're responding or what their symptoms are when they present. The pre presentation of menopause can vary. It can be something as, uh, as, as different as migraine headaches. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important. I, I mean, I think the take-home message here is that when, when women hit their 30s, start, don't be surprised. They start noticing uh, changes in their energy, especially when they hit 35. And then definitely when they hit 40, if, if there's going to be a marker, I would say, um, 40, go get your hormones checked because we'll see if your progesterone is dwindling. And then that'll be the first indicator that they're starting to become, uh, they're, they're starting to get close to being premenopausal. And then if, if they stay on the leading end of that, as it's happening, then, um, and then they, they won't experience a drop in their uh, cardiovascular risk. Um, there are an increase in their cardiovascular risk that happens with the loss of the hormones. And uh, on top of that, they'll maintain optimal metabolic health by supporting these, uh, these hormones as they're, as they're starting to dwindle. Okay, so, so after, then, after age 40, start to get mm -hmm. your hormones checked. And the ones you want to see, if a woman came to you, mm -hmm. would be the testosterone, the estradiol, and the progesterone. Yes. <clears throat> and, and so then you can take the comp. So here's, here's the equation I've got so far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's here's a combination. Uh, right. It's a combination of their symptoms and the levels that you see for these three that gives you an indication of, of what to do. Yes. And now as, as so now you're going to start with a, with the hormone replacement. Mm-hmm therapy as, as appropriate. 
And I think we've all learned um, that it's got to be uh, bioidentical as opposed to the horse urine or you know whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and that's that's a particularly important when it comes to women because uh, the concern and the the dialogue in conventional medicine is that hormone replacement therapy puts them at risk for blood clots, for cancers, and uh, and cardiovascular events. Um, all the studies that showed that were done with synthetic, commercially made, um, you know, hormone replacement therapy. So commercially made synthetic hormones are not something that our body knows what to do with. And it's, as you said, it's, it's uh, derived from sometimes horse urine or something that's completely foreign. So it's no wonder that it creates an inflammatory reaction as well as other cardiovascular outcomes. When we look at estradiol you know, and, we, and we look at uh, uh, progesterone, both of them being bioidentical and micronized, that they, there are no studies that show adverse outcomes like cardiovascular events as well as blood clots or cancers. So it's important to make that distinction between the two. And if, and if your practitioner doesn't understand that distinction, then they're definitely not going to give you, you know, the right treatment. And so I'm assuming that, that for, for all three of those hormones, estradiol, testosterone, and progesterone, there are bioidentical hormones available. Yes. And let's say that a woman has, um, <clears throat> just as a, an idea here, mm -hmm. you know, as, a, as an example, let's say a woman has cancer, whether it's um, ovarian or, S mm -hmm. or um, breast or you know uh, endometrial, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and that it's um, you know no cancer is ever really totally fixed, as we all know. But sure. let's just say it's it's now been taken care of, everything looks good. Mm -hmm. And can they now take the hormones? It depends on the hormone and it depends on how far they are from being cancer free. A lot of them, if you have a, a practitioner that's comfortable doing it, uh, it would have to be, you know, usually they wait for about five years. Some practitioners, just because of the medical legal aspect of it, may not do it ever once somebody has breast or ovarian cancer. So it really depends on the experience of the practitioner. So you really want to wait for five years after they are cancer-free. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Before that would be the minimum minimum that most people, most doctors, will wait for. And and then after that, you can feel pretty confident in, get, in giving the hormones as long as they're bioidentical. I, I would believe so. I would say so. Others, you know, may, I'm sure many would argue with me and say that's uh, too risky. But uh, the studies show that uh, bioidentical estradiol and progesterone are helpful and sometimes in those cases. So, and then after a period of five years of uh, symptom-free, disease-free, depending on what their situation is, especially if they require bio, you know, hormone therapy for other medical reasons or their lifestyle or because of symptoms, um, then it's worth considering. And so does that five years after the cancer-free apply only to ovarian and breast for women or all cancers? Uh, it applies mostly just to ovarian and breast, um, and, you know, and uh, endometrial is, is probably under that category too. You know, when we look at uh, men and their, uh, and prostate, it's usually less than that, depending on, again, depending on the practitioner, looking at about two to five years. Right. 
How about if endometrial was, um, well, I got a friend whose wife said endometrial cancer, but it was only halfway through the wall or something mm -hmm. like that. In other words, it was not invasive at all. Yeah. And then she's been free for five years. Would that would it be okay for her to do the hormone so therapy? You could consider it. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. the question is, uh, did, you know, what? How was it corrected? Is there still a uterus? Um, if if the uterus has been, uh, if she had a hysterectomy, then she, she did. Then, then um, and if, if it's a total hysterectomy, then if, then yep. definitely. If it's a partial, then yeah, you can. Um, she would have to have regular visits with the GYN. And be and have surveillance throughout therapy, but it's possible. Yeah, so the total hysterectomy it shouldn't be a problem, right? No, it shouldn't be with a total hysterectomy. Yeah. Okay, so that's useful for women to to know this information. Mm -hmm. Where so I mean everything you and I've talked about, we kind of tried to simplify it, and yeah, we didn't really make an equation, but we got pretty close. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, um, it's a it's a complex it's a complex target. I mean, a oh, complex yeah. topic. Yeah, and. And so where, where do you go to find out? Is there something on your website that has a simple explanation of this or? We, let's see, we, we've, I have something on my website about uh, testosterone and we're working on something about uh, the rest of the sex hormones. You know, there is tons of information online. I don't know if I would, I would use that. The source that I think is the most reliable is from a, a medical education company called WorldLink. And um, there is a doctor, and his name is Dr. Rousier, and he does, he has uh, put together a lot of YouTube lectures, and that's spelled R-O-U, I think it's S-I-E, and uh, he is, he, he's, um, he's got a wealth of information about this. It really lays out the, the, the uh, scientific data and practices and teaches, you know, uh, science-based medicine. And that I think is the best resource that might be available. For for exactly what? For information on uh, on hormone therapy and kind of what what is safe and what isn't. Okay, well, that's that's very useful mm -hmm. for women because as you know, you can you can get any answer you want to by googling it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which is why I, I wanted to give a specific source to. Um, direct patients to, direct listeners to. Yeah, that's great. So it's world, I'm assuming it's www.worldlink.com? Yeah. Yeah, and Dr. R-O-U-S-I-E. Yeah, let me, I'll verify that spe with spelling in a moment, but that's that's what it, yeah, that's what I think it is. All right, well, that's very useful. And so mm -hmm. what, what other hormones can women consider? I know melatonin can be, a consideration for later in life to help you um, get that circadian rhythm going. Is there any, any, do you agree with that? Is there any other ones? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a supporter of the use of melatonin. I think that we often don't use enough of it. Most people probably uh, respond well to five to 10 milligra milligrams a day uh, if you need to. Um, you can do it daily. There's uh, some thought that you may if you take it daily, you, you develop, uh, your body will make as much of it naturally. So I always recommend cycling things on and off. So I would cycle it on for a few, for a week or two, and then cycle it off and uh, continue in that respect. But melatonin wouldn't be the, the, the next most important hormone I would consider. Okay. Uh, the next most important one for women is thyroid. 
And uh, thyroid is also, yeah, it's also very misunderstood. And um, uh, it is is a hormone that often gets, uh, flies under the radar because we use TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, as um, as a primary indicator of our thyroid status. But studies are showing that the TSH is not as reliable as we thought it was. So, yeah. And so people may end up getting getting their low thyroid uh, symptoms uh, missed because the TSH is normal when in fact they should probably do a full thyroid panel. And that would include a free T3, total T3, free T4, and a total T4. That's sort of the minimum. John, unfortunately, it's time for yeah. the wrap up. Mm. Impossible, Dave. We've only been on this for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Hussain, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, great to talk to you as always. It seems like you and I can kind of get to the bottom line with whatever we're talking about. So, so, so great. And yeah. um, I, think it's, I think it's great for women to learn that there's these three important hormones and they need to start looking, but really based on, the, on their symptoms. That's what we're really tell them when they when they should seek help, and, and it can be as as you mentioned as early as um, as thirty, mm-hmm. and and for sure I think you you mentioned that by forty they should probably get them checked. <clears throat> I'm, I'm assuming that would be the three ones you mentioned: yes. testosterone, estradiol, progesterone, and then perhaps mm-hmm. a, what age should they look at the hormone panel? Same same. I mean, I'm the sorry, thyroid? the uh, thyroid, thyroid panel, yeah. Thyroid, yeah, at the same time, they, they usually, the thyroid usually uh, starts to decline in function. Um, it can around the same time frame. So as they're getting their hormones done, definitely get those checked. All right, that's terrific. So um, like we always like to do at the end of every podcast, if you have just like the big one, two or three things you'd like to leave with um, women, and of course, in many cases, since they have the symptoms, we men, we husbands are interested mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that the take-home message is that if women are feeling symptoms of, uh, of menopause, they're feeling, and they're feeling a physical and mental decline, that there's a reason for that. It's, it's because of the decline of hormones, and they don't need to suffer through that. And they don't have to be afraid the, the myth of cancer. As, and blood clots with the with an experienced hormone practitioner, they can get their hormones balanced, feel better, and have and maintain cardiovascular risk prevention as they continue to age. Oh, that's terrific. And um, if they would like to get a hold of you, where how can they do do so? Yeah, they can find me at the Boone Heart Institute, um, and they can reach me via email. That's uh, a Hussein MD at booneheart.com. and then uh, and or uh, you can reach us at the office number. Do you you want me to sure, go ahead. give you that as well? Yeah, it's three zero three. Here we go three zero three seven six two zero seven one zero. All right. Well, thanks so much again. Look forward to our next podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. 
Be sure to visit us at AsherLongevity.com to learn more about the science, supplements, and strategies to live a much longer and much happier life. That's AsherLongevity.com. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us that looking after our health today gives us better hope for tomorrow. This concludes another edition of Alive right here on the Funnel Radio Network for listeners like you. The Asher Longevity Institute developed a nine-step program to guide you to a much longer and healthier life. Our mission is to make this system easy to understand, simple to execute, and sustainable for the rest of your life. Go to asherlongevity.com today and sign up for the information and access you need to live the longevity lifestyle. That's asherlongevity.com to help you feel better now and achieve the longevity you desire.